Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to our wonderful Gen Z audience. Today is June 27th, 2022. I am Riel. I am filling in for Dave to do the Kraken. Uh, for the public side of the show, you may be less familiar with me. Uh, I have a series on our Patreon called Dose of Reality. I have made some appearances on the public side of things with interviews and other collaborations. I've been a contributor and partner with Dave for many months behind the scenes, and it is my turn to help report the news. We have many stories to cover uh, because the last Kraken was done on June 17th, but I will be covering only stories from about June 24th, 25th, and through the 27th. Um, to avoid overwhelming our audience with so much because there is a lot happening in the world. And we'll definitely be getting back on track with keeping our audience up to date. Uh, so without further ado, let's get to it. And let me just uh, share my screen so that you folks can see the stories that I will be talking about as my uh, screen here uh, is in the top right corner. So first off, what we're looking at is Prince Charles accepted a suitcase with 1 million euros from Qatari Sheik, the Sunday Times report, and this is from CNN. Clarence House said Prince Charles received charitable donations and the correct processes were followed regarding, regarding those donations after a British newspaper reported the Prince of Wales once accepted a suitcase containing 1 million in cash from a Qatari politician. According to the Sunday Times, the suitcase containing one million in cash was one of three lots of cash he personally received, totaling three million euros from former Qatari Prime Minister Sheikh Hamad bin Jassim bin Jabir al Thani between 2011 and 2015. CNN has not independently verified the Sunday Times report. A royal source tells CNN they dispute many of the details in the Sunday Times report. The royal source said they do not dispute the fact of the charitable donations and asserted that all the correct processes were followed from what they have looked at and from over a decade ago. They add the report contains several mistakes and their lawyers are involved. We're not really going to offer much comment on that. Uh, the, the details are still murky and emerging, so just to take that story as you will. We wonder how often this, this does happen between politicians and royalty shifting money. It could be you know, we, we could speculate endlessly about it, but we'll just leave it to the audience to think about what could be going on there. Second up, we've got from June 26th on RT News, Epstein Madam put on suicide watch. Ghislaine Maxwell has been placed in solitary confinement and may seek to delay her sentencing. We're only going to be reading a bit from all of these articles because we're we've got a lot to cover, so I'm going to try to, you know, uh, Brush, breeze through all of this. Convicted sex offender Ghislaine Maxwell has been placed on suicide watch in the Brooklyn jail where she awaits sentencing on charges related to her activities with now deceased pedophile financier Jeffrey Epstein. Her lawyers complained in a letter on Friday that she had been removed from the general population, quote, without justification, end quote, and warned her sentencing may have to be postponed. Yeah, we're not going to go too deep into this. Our our Patreon account, uh, our Patreon followers, and even the the YouTube followers know uh, a lot about this story, and we just don't need to go there for the sake of YouTube censorship. Next up, we have uh, unvaccinated Djokovic gives up hope of making the U.S. Open. So COVID restrictions, as things stand, make it impossible for the tennis great to play at Flushing Meadows. 
unvaccinated tennis world number two, Novak Djokovic, appears resigned to missing another tennis grand slam in 2022, given his vaccine stance and American COVID protocol that will prevent him from playing the U.S. Open later this year. Djokovic was memorably deported from Australia at the time of the year, at the turn of the year and prevented from defending his crown at the Australian Open, eventually won by Rafael Nadal. Yeah, uh, this is another topic where we got to be, we got to tread lightly, but uh, we all know uh, Dave's perspective on that. And uh, I'm sure you can uh, infer that I uh, stand uh, in close allegiance with his perspectives on many of the um, stories that we talk about on the Kraken. So uh, we won't go there. Uh, next up, we have another story from RT News, and this is from June 26th. So there are updates since then, but uh, 22 young people dead in a South African nightclub. The cause at the time of this story, the cause of the tragedy remains unknown. Um, uh, at least 22 people were found dead in a nightclub in the South African city of East London on Sunday. The cause of the deaths is unclear and no obvious signs of injuries on the bodies have been reported. However, this was very interesting when I was reading this, that the emergency workers were called to the and Yobeni Tavern in the early hours of Sunday morning and arrived to find bodies, quote, lying strewn across tables, chairs, and on the floor with no obvious signs of injury, end quote. So there's, you know, endless uh, speculation that we could cause, but we'll definitely be following up on the story in uh, upcoming Krakens when more details emerge. But very strange. And as Dave always says, uh, these are terrible tragedies and uh, it's it's obviously always the innocent that that suffer in a situation like this. It, it could be intelligence, it could be gangs. You, you never know, but it is unfortunate that uh, 22 people died. We do want to keep in mind with the messaging of our mainstream news sources, where when they put numbers out there, like 22, for example, well, that's how many paths there are on the Kabbalistic tree of life. So. You never know. Um, once you start looking more into the, the more esoteric side of the news, you, you start to pick up on some clues that maybe you didn't see before about what is really going on and what the articles are really trying to tell us. Next up, we have uh, from CNN. Uh, this article, and please bear with me as I load. Uh, my computer is a little bit slow. I will be definitely improving that in the coming days, though. So just bear with me for today, and thank you very much. So the news article from CNN uh, about all the recession warning signs this week. The headline was, are we in a recession? And to be honest, we're not even going to bother covering this because it is abundantly clear that the economy is not doing well. But they do talk about customer, uh, consumer sentiment and gas prices, uh, housing slump. But of course, that is kind of uh, a bit of a parody of an article if, if you uh, would like some of my opinion on the matter. Next up, we're going to Al Jazeera. And as you can see my lineup here, we've got Al Jazeera, we've got CTV News, uh, we've got RT, we've got CNN, and then we're going to also be looking at uh, the Jerusalem Post from Israel. In this article from June 26th, uh, thousands demonstrate in Madrid ahead of NATO summit. Banners with the words, no to NATO, no to war, for peace, were held as thousands of people marched through the Spanish city. Demonstrators called for U.S.-led NATO to be dissolved and for military bases maintained by the U.S. in Spain to be closed, 
banners with the words, no to NATO, no to war, for peace, were held as they marched through the city. Well, we always appreciate when people are able to express their opinions and uh, really uh, take advantage of living in what is supposed to be, you know, democratic Western society. And I personally agree with their messages of no to war, we support peace. Is that really too much to ask? Uh, next up, we've got Ecuador lifts emergency as talks begin with the indigenous protesters. President Guillermo Lasso eases security measures amid talks with indigenous leaders and an opposition-led move to remove him from office. Ecuador's President Guillermo Lasso has lifted a state of emergency imposed in six provinces amid mass protests by indigenous groups as legislators began hearing an opposition motion to remove him from office. Lasso's decision on Saturday followed the first official talks between government officials and Ecuador's largest indig indigenous organization, which began the protest two weeks ago to demand gasoline prices be cut, price controls be imposed on agriculture products, and a larger budget be set for education. Okay, so this is uh, very interesting uh, because I question, I, I just want to bring up the possibility that maybe there is something deeper to why these protests are happening. We have that, uh, we can see that they're saying that Ecuador's largest indigenous organization is demanding gasoline prices be cut. That might be true, but could there be other reasons why the indigenous population are protesting? the Ecuadorian government. Just, just putting that out there, uh, we'll definitely stay tuned and see as more details emerge. But like I said, we've got a lot to cover. So we're just giving you the, the surface level of these things without trying to be biased and just looking at things from an objective yet critical lens. Uh, and to follow up that article, actually, uh, we're gonna do another one from Ecuador also from Al Jazeera, Ecuador president announces fuel price cut amid days of protests. Okay, the cut falls short of demands from indigenous leaders who have decried the, the soaring cost of living. Okay, so we see the next day the Ecuadorian president actually announced cut in petrol prices amid the anti-government protests. That's nice to see that at least to a degree the government listened to the protesters. Next up, we're actually going to get, uh, there's a lot of Ukraine and Russia stuff to cover, and we're just going to do this all in succession to, to catch everybody up as best as we can as one of the uh, biggest potentially distracting stories that they've got out there, but this is the mainstream news, so we're, we're just going to be covering it. So from Al Jazeera also, uh, Vladimir Putin to make first foreign trip since Ukraine invasion. So Putin's last known visit outside Russia was to Beijing in early February, where he and Chinese President Xi Jinping unveiled a no-limits friendship treaty. Vladimir Putin will visit two small former Soviet states in Central Asia this week in what would be the Russian leader's first known trip abroad since ordering the invasion of Ukraine. Okay, so there, we know that there's been rumors of him being sick, and uh, be and that is why he wasn't going outside of the country much and probably concerned about potential assassination attempts. So it's interesting to see that they are announced they have announced that he is going to be leaving the country and making and making visits for the first time in a while. Next up, 
the G7 nations to announce ban on import of Russian gold. U.S. President Joe Biden said the leaders of the world's wealthiest nations will announce the ban during the G7 summit in Munich. This is from June 26th, and the summit has happened since. So there is stuff to cover from that summit. And the U.S. has said, the United States has said the group of seven, the G7, nations will ban the import of Russian gold with the aim of tightening sanctions screws on Moscow, which on Sunday carried out missile strikes on Ukraine's capital, Kiev, after making territorial gains in the eastern Luhansk region. We'll be uh, monitoring how this affects the global economy, but uh, on our, our Patreon side of things, Dose of Reality, I did actually do a two-part episode, about three hours total, uh, exploring the SWIFT payment system and the ramifications of what the sanctions are actually doing and the uh, financial systems that are already set in place from the BRICS countries that clearly indicated that uh, Russia was prepared for sanctions and they had allies with strong economies that also were preparing for sanctions. So it's just interesting to monitor how we are told the sanctions affect them versus how the sanctions are actually affecting them. Next up, we've got a story from CTV News, which is a Canadian mainstream news outlet. And the headline is Trudeau mocks bare-chested horseback riding Putin as G7 leaders meet in Germany. This is from June 26th, updated June 27th. Russian President Vladimir Putin was a target of mockery by leaders of the Group of Seven as they sat around a table Sunday commencing their three-day summit in Germany's Bavarian Alps. Before leaders launched into a discussion regarding the Russian president's invasion of Ukraine and their strategies towards immobilizing Russian assets, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson asked if they should remove their jackets or if they should disrobe even further, was this quote. The quote continues, we all need to show that we're tougher than Putin, he joked, prompting some laughter from his colleagues. And then Canada's Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, joined in saying, quote, we're going to get the bare-chested horseback riding display. Boris Johnson also gestured to the cameras stationed around the table saying, quote, we'll show them our pecs, end quote. Yeah, okay, that's good to hear. That's how the world leaders are handling the situation and making jest of it all. But of course, it wasn't all, it wasn't all humorous, so... I'm sure that they did talk about some pretty serious things. Uh, next up, we've got uh, people with uh, another from the Canadian press of CTV News. People with COVID-19 can infect and sicken cats and dogs by coddling them, says study from June 26th. Cat and dog owners who cuddle their pets when infected with COVID-19 could end up making the animals sick with the virus, according to a Canadian study. That's all we're going to get into. Don't need to just don't need to get into that. Please feel free to read this article on your own time. And you can definitely message me me privately uh, if you join the Telegram or on the Patreon. Even you make your comments below about this huh, situation. But, you know, it is what it is when we're reading the news. Okay, here we go with uh, Al Jazeera again. And my body, my choice anger over U.S. Supreme Court abortion ruling. Crowds featured both abortion opponents wearing t-shirts reading, I am the pro-life generation, and abortion rights supporters. Uh, this is a very contentious topic. Going to stay away from it. I am, uh, uh, I can't give birth, so 
I don't really want to say too strongly one way or the other, especially when it's such a sensitive topic, but we could simply just comment on the hypocrisy of the idea of my body, my choice in a, when we are just concluding a, or still experiencing the pandemic that everybody knows about. So just going to leave that there. Next up, we have also from uh, CTV News from uh, the world segment. Syria and Russia paratroopers conduct joint drill. This is from June 26, 2022. Hundreds of Syrian paratroopers took part in a joint drill with their Russian counterparts in the war-torn country in the second joint maneuver this month, state media reported. The agency did not give further details in its Saturday night report about the drill or say where they took place. It said the aim was to train Syrian paratroopers how to respond in varied circumstances. That it is interesting because as the article says, Russia became involved militarily in Syria in September 2015, helping to tip the balance of power in favor of Assad's forces. So that, that whole situation there to just give some context, I don't have the news articles, but I was paying close attention at that time is that President Obama of the US uh, tried to invade Syria and say that there were gas chemicals being used by the Syrian president on his people. And then Russia and China both actually intervened as I believe it was uh, the Security Council seats. And they said, show us the evidence. And the US could not show the evidence. And just fast forward to here we are with the Russian and Syrian paratroopers having a joint drill. We do have, uh, okay, I think we have two more Russia stories and then it's gonna be, uh, we got a Ukraine as well. And then it'll be much more international and less uh, on the same path that everybody's talking about. So here is from Al Jazeera's Bloomberg section from June 27th, uh, Russia defaults on foreign debt for the first time in 1918. Russia has pushed back against the default designation saying it has the funds to cover any bills which is just following up with that article uh, or with what I mentioned about the SWIFT payment system, the alternatives to the, uh, the Chinese uh, payment system, the Russian payment system, and how the BRICS countries have actually been preparing for these sanctions. So uh, even though they say that Russia defaulted on its foreign currency sovereign debt for the first time in a century, the culmination of ever tougher Western sanctions that shut down payment routes to overseas creditors. So we'll just have to see how this, this plays out, but it, it does seem like uh, they're really pushing the narrative of the sanctions having a significant impact on the Russian economy. Whereas when you look a little bit deeper, it may seem like that's not so much the case. And I believe this is our second last one about the Russia-Ukraine situation. The G7 launches $600 billion infrastructure plan to counter China. The G7 Partnership for Global Infrastructure and Investment will help finance infrastructure projects in developing nations. The leaders of the Group of Seven Nations have pledged to raise $600 billion in private and public funds over five years to finance infrastructure in developing countries and counter China's older multi-trillion dollar Belt and Road Project. It's funny that they just say older because it's, it's only been as of like 2014, I think, at the uh, the longest that they've been talking about this, but 
that is exactly what I'm referencing with their multi with China's multi trillion dollar Belt and Road project, which is the new Silk Road, which is uh, connected to their alternative payment system that differs from the SWIFT payment system. And this one is about the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, which is the BRICS central bank system, which uh, of course, we're not focusing that on this episode, but if people would like uh, a public uh, episode on that stuff, I would be more than happy to. I've just kept it on the private side of things to avoid needing to uh, censor myself. And the last Ukraine story of today is that NATO is planning a massive military buildup. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg said Monday that the military alliance will increase the size of its rapid reaction forces nearly eightfold to 300,000 troops as part of its response to an era of strategic competition. The NATO response force currently has about 40,000 soldiers, which can deploy quickly when needed. That's a lot of people. Now, I just wonder where they're coming from, which nations are submitting them. Interesting. We'll stay tuned for that one, I'm sure. Okay, I this was this is a sillier one, but this is still related to Russia Ukraine. From RT News, American robot dog set for Ukraine. Quote media. Boston Dynamics spot will clear shells and munitions from around Kiev, according to foreign policy report. Halo Trust, a US-based mining organization, which has received multiple government contracts to work in Ukraine, will reportedly use Spot Boston Dynamics robot dog to remove mines, mortar shells, and unexploded munitions in formerly Russian-controlled areas near the capital, Kiev, according to the group's executive director, Chris Wadley, who spoke to foreign policy. It's interesting to see that this there was all these speculations about what this robot dog would be used for when the videos are circulating online. And it's interesting to see that, well, they're sending AI dogs to Ukraine. Okay. Next up, we've got actually, uh, we've got about a dozen more stories to cover and then that'll be it for today. But these next three will all be about Nigeria. So this is from June 24th, so a few days ago still, but Nigerian Senator and wife charged with plotting to get child to UK to harvest organs. A Nigerian senator and his wife were remanded in custody in London to Thursday, charged with plotting to have a 15-year-old boy brought into the United Kingdom to harvest his organs, police said. Aiki Ekweremadu, who was 60, and Beatrice Noaneka Ekweremadu, 55, were both charged with conspiracy to arrange travel of another person with a view to exploitation, namely organ harvesting. Ekwe Ramadu is an opposition senator in the southern state of Enugu and also a former deputy Senate president. This is a pretty big story. Um, so we'll see what comes up with that. I mean, it could have been legit. It could have been a setup. We don't really know. We would have to look into what sort of policies this senator was involved with. Uh, it could be a form of blackmail. We'll, we'll see. But of course, we know that human trafficking is real. It is the most lucrative black market business on the planet. And it is very unfortunate when these things happen. And also uh, harvesting organs is a very real and disturbing uh, trade. 
the second story from Nigeria that we have is from CTV News. And the a Nigerian governor lets residents carry guns for self-defense. Interesting. This is from the Associated Press. Uh, a Nigerian governor has ordered the issuing of licenses so citizens can carry guns to defend themselves against armed groups, a first among the measures drawn up to defeat gunmen blamed for the deaths of thousands in the West African country's troubled northern region. Well, that is just interesting, given the opposite of what is going on in the Western states, where we know that the governments are pushing to take away guns. So we'll definitely stay tuned to this story. And it's just interesting to see the contrast happening around the world. Our final story from Nigeria. Uh, Nigeria's chief justice resigns on health grounds. The top judge cited health concerns for his resignation, which comes weeks after a rare complaint by his fellow justices. Nigeria's chief justice, Ibrahim Tanko Mohammed, has resigned from his position, according to local media reports and his spokesperson. Mohammed, 68, has been the country's top judge for three years, but has served at the Supreme Court since 2005 cited health reasons as being behind his decisions to retire. Very interesting. Just when somebody of that level uh, resigns, yes, they're getting up there in age, but you know that is a very convenient reason to just step down and not want to really talk about what is actually going on. There could have been corruption. There could have been controversy. There could have just been, he's frustrated with the system. Uh, one of the episodes that actually Dave just did for the Patreon members uh, is talking about a situation where what if you are a senator and one day you walk into work and you see that 40% of your colleagues have all been dismissed because turns out that there was a Persian corruption and they were involved with blackmail and extortion. Well, that uh, analogy is very fitting for this story. So thank you very much for that, Dave. And if you are watching this on the public side and you're curious about what I am just referring to with Dave's Patreon, well, go to Generation Z, uh, sla uh, Patreon slash Generation Z, and you can follow all of our content um, that is available for us. And any, any amount of subscription uh, for the payments is very helpful, and it's a fantastic community. So uh, you also get to see some very in-depth, deep reports from Dave, myself, and other members of the community. So it's definitely worth the subscription. Next up, we're heading to Canada from CTV News. Conservative MPs are free to attend the freedom protests this summer from Virgin. So with the nation's capital bracing for anticipated anti-mandate freedom movement protests during Canada Day weekend, interim conservative leader Candace Virgin says her MPs are free to attend. She says, I support peaceful and legal demonstrations, and if my MPs want to be there, they're free to do whatever they want, and they'll answer to the constituents. Well, that's good to hear. I'm glad that we're allowed to do what we want in a quote-unquote democratic free society. It is interesting to note that uh, Canada also just recently lifted the uh, traveling restrictions for the unvaccinated. So... There could be a shift in the paradigm of Canadian politics. We'll see. Um, but we also always have to stay vigilant because we know from certain powers behind the scenes that there is still um, potentially more pandemics on the way. 
Okay, so now we're going to be getting to some lesser known, uh, smaller stories that are a bit tragic and unfortunate, but we just uh, feel the need to report them here. Uh, from Al Jazeera, four killed after a stand collapses during a Colombia bullfight. The disaster took place during a traditional event called a Coralea, in which members of the public enter a ring to engage the bulls. At least four people have been killed and hundreds more injured in central Colombia were part of a wooden stand collapse during a bullfight. I mean, that's definitely very sad. Um, the tradition of bullfighting kind of seems like, well, you, you might have some unfortunate events when you're taunting bulls, but I guess it was from the stand collapsing. So that's more of an infrastructure and engineering thing, but you never know. Um, Anyway, it's, it's just unfortunate when stuff like that happens. Uh, next up, we have from Sudan, where the Su Sudan accuses Ethiopia of executing Sudanese soldiers. Sudan military says the Ethiopian army displayed the bodies of the executed people to the public. Wow. Sudan's military has accused the Ethiopian army of executing seven Sudanese soldiers and a civilian who were captives. In a statement on Sunday, the Sudanese military also accused the Ethiopian army of displaying the bodies of those executed to the public and promised that there would be an appropriate response. Now that's, that, that's uh, pretty vicious. That's, you know, uh, it just goes to show you like that's there, are, we're just blessed, even though we can be critical of uh, the Canadian state of things. I mean, where uh, I am not at risk of, of enduring something like that at the moment in this country. And I am very grateful for the safety that I've got. And uh, just, uh, it is very unfortunate when we see things like this. And that's, again, like I said, that's, that's just vicious. And that's an unfortunate reality of a lot of stuff that's going on in other parts of the world. And another unfortunate story here is that the rebels carry out attack on police station in Benin, killing two. Fighters target the police station in Dasari town in what appears to be a spillover effect of unrest in neighboring Burkina Faso and Niger. So again, there is conflict all over the world right now. Uh, this uh, two, two police officers have been killed and another wounded in a rebel attack on a police station in Northwest Benin. Local media and police sources said in what appears to be a spillover effect of unrest in neighboring Burkina Faso and Niger. Yeah, uh, so especially when the police officers are, are killed, they're putting themselves in the, the line of fire, obviously, and just, you know, uh, it is uh, unfortunate. That's all we can really say about that. We don't know too much about the situation. Uh, there has been a string of deadly assaults in the area. Clearly, that entire region is uh, going through some strife. The, there are groups linked to Al-Qaeda and ISIL or ISIS. Uh, which are active in Northern Benin, which is at West Africa's Sahel region. But yeah, hopefully the situation can be resolved and those accountable are brought to justice. Whatever justice may mean for you, and I'm not here to say I'm any sort of arbiter of justice, we just, that's just a thing that we say pretty much when we want things to work out and the universe to balance out karmically, I suppose. So we're heading to our last uh, few articles for today and thank you so much for bearing with me as my first time presenting the news on Kraken. Hopefully I'm doing well. Hopefully I'm clear and articulate. Um, I will definitely get better at this. So thank you very much everyone. Here we're going to the Jerusalem Post and the from June 27th. The military intelligence and Mossad are at odds over the Iran deal. 
So the IDF Chief of Staff, Lieutenant General Aviv Kahavi, is said to be opposed to a deal while Defense Minister Benny Gantz is in favor of one. Uh, it is interesting to see the, the domestic internal conflict between intelligence agencies within a respective domestic nation. And the, uh, the article says that as Western powers are set to return to the negotiating table with Iran over its nuclear program, the Israeli defense establishment is at odds over whether a deal would be good for the country, according to a report in Yediot Aharonot. Several Israeli generals, including OC military intelligence Major General Aharon Haliva, are in favor of a return to a deal with Tehran in opposition to the IDF Chief of Staff Lieutenant General Aviv Kahavi and Israel's official policy, the report said. And I just find that very, very interesting. So we'll definitely stay tuned when uh, we go on, on the, the private side of our channel and we look into the Assad and Israeli intelligence and all the intelligence community. So I just find this very interesting, but we will stay tuned and everybody can make up their own decisions about what they think is going on. But this is a very intriguing story. Uh, next up, we have uh, also from the Jerusalem Post, a former Israeli anchor says that Likud voters have a low level of intelligence. So the Likud leader and opposition head, Benjamin Netanyahu, called the comments arrogant and outrageous. So a former Israeli news anchor, Gadi Soknik, stated that the Likud voters have a low level of functioning, intelligence, culture, and discourse during an interview on Channel 13's Opening the Day program on Monday morning. Wow. And he says that Yesh Atid voters are at a much higher level than the average level on the market. Compare it to other parties, which are apparently democratic. Check the group that votes for them. For example, the Likud. The Likud General Committee is sown with interests, infected with all the diseases of the world, and the voters match that. They're usually at a much lower level than Yesh Atid's, a low level of functioning of intelligence, of culture, and of discourse. So that's the quote from this former Israeli news anchor. Now, very interesting. And apparently it upset the uh, right side of the polit political spectrum in Israel, specifically the opposition leader, Benjamin Netanyahu. And we're not going to get into it. We're not going to comment on the political side of things. Uh, it's just, we're just telling you that this is what happened. And it's interesting to see this sort of um, uh, conflict, light conflict, verbal light conflict within the, the, the given nation state. And uh, we've got one more on Israel here from the Jerusalem Post, is that Israel is heading to elections from uh, which means that Knesset is to disband and Lapid to become the prime minister. So this is the oldest article that we covered today. This is from June 20th. So we are a little bit behind the ball on this, but uh, Israel will be entering its fifth election in three and a half years. Earlier in the day, the government defeated two votes of no confidence. So Israel is heading to its fifth election in three and a half years after Prime Minister Naftali Bennett and alternate Prime Minister Yair Lapid gave up Monday on their efforts to stabilize the coalition. In a joint statement, Bennett and Lapid said they would bring a bill to dissolve the Knesset to a vote next Monday. There is a consensus in the coalition and opposition on an October 25th date for the election. Interesting. This is just an interesting story. I don't know too much about it, but I'm definitely going to be looking more into this. So stay tuned, everybody, on what's to come in the Israeli politics.
just three more stories. Thank you for bearing with me. Going back to Canada for this one, the city of Ottawa and the Ottawa Police Services are ensuring residents that planned protests on Canada Day will not devolve into the kind of occupation that residents endured this past winter. Interim Ottawa Police Chief Steve Bell told the Ottawa Police Services Board on Monday afternoon that the OPS plan is geared toward preventing a repeat of the three-week occupation of downtown Ottawa last January and February. Well, that's this is uh, also very interesting because we know that Canada obviously did their uh, emer state of emergencies and they've actually been conducting an investigation by a committee that the prime minister called himself and the representatives from the police of Ontario, RCMP and Ottawa all actually testified saying that they never requested for the state of emergency to be implemented. And the minister of Canada, uh, the name is escaping me right now, it's either the safety minister or the justice minister, maybe a different one, Mendico, Mendici, something like that. And he repeatedly said that the police asked for the state of emergencies to be implemented. But when we listen to the actual witnesses from the police authorities, they say, no, we never asked for it. So that is a very fascinating story. Uh, I personally have uh, researched this a lot. I do have uh, extensive files and documents on this one. Um, I haven't made any videos for it yet, but maybe the time is very soon. Stay tuned. Okay, so here is from the Jerusalem Post again. And now where they, we're gonna end on some lighter notes with this because you know I just wanna give a balance of, of world news, geopolitics, science, uh, I eventually the archaeology, uh, technology, uh, environment, etc. Not just not just the like most conventional geopolitical mainstream news. So here we have five planets aligned perfectly, visible until end of June. So as of the day we are recording this, you still got a few days to catch this up in the sky or whatever you think is going on up above us, whatever you want to call it. Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn will be visible every morning until the end of June in an alignment not seen since 1864. Okay, well, here is a picture of the solar system from Wikimedia Commons. I wonder who took this picture? Just asking a question. You're curious, Tano. Interesting, I'm looking at these pictures and I never noticed Tano. I wonder, I'll have to look into that. You're catching me in real time studying what I'm presenting. So thank you for witnessing that. Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn have lined up in a rare alignment that won't occur again until 2040. So it won't occur again until 2040, but last time it occurred was 1864. Why is it happening 18 years from now, but the last time it happened was however many 160 years ago? Interesting. but. That's all we're going to be looking at uh, for this one. Just bring this to your attention, folks. And the last one we've got on the docket for today is from Al Jazeera, and it's a, about a rare mummified baby woolly mammoth found in Canada. Paleontologist says the baby woolly mammoth is one of the most incredible mummified Ice Age animals ever discovered in the world. If you are looking at this in a video format, here you have a picture of this uh, baby elephant on my screen and that you do see the trunk. 
that it does look like a complete baby woolly mammoth. So that is interesting. Miners in the Klondike goldfields of Canada's far north have made a rare discovery, digging up the mummified remains of a near-complete baby woolly mammoth. Members of the local Trondek Huichian First Nation named the calf Nunchoga, which means big baby animal. Yeah, that, that is very fitting. Uh, okay, well, that is what we had for today. And I definitely appreciate you uh, bearing with me. Um, thank you so much for tuning in to today's Kraken. Again, the date is June 28th, 2022. My name is Riel. Uh, you can find our, our stuff on uh, Patreon slash Generation Z. And please uh, leave your comments below. Let me know how I did. Give me some constructive feedback or give me some harsh feedback. That's good too. But I uh, hope everybody has a great day and talk to you all very soon. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.